give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now turn over to Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. All right, Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's take a moment and pray real fast. Dear Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross and suffering for me. Um, thank you that we can have uh, liberty with you and uh, freedom. Freedom to talk with you and go straight to the throne room of grace. Straight to you. Thank you for the opportunity. I pray that this time we'll, we'll learn more about you. Find something that we can uh, just grow more. Maybe there's something that's hindering a closer relationship with, with you. pray that we can find that. And in your name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. My goal tonight is to first provide an outline to our mission as Christians. Secondly, provide a few possible pitfalls and ruts we fall into. And lastly, how we can effectively share our Christian convictions to those around us. I think, I personally believe that each of us is called, each of us is called to full-time Christian ministry. Now, first, when you hear that, it's like, whoa, hold up, everyone's called to be a pastor, missionary, or evangelist. You know, I think there are certain, those are certain aspects of ministry that is divinely called by God. But as we'll check out tonight, I think there's aspects each one of us should be doing and should be uh, pursuing uh, to, to fulfill the gospel and spread the gospel to this lost and dying world. So the question is, are we all called to full-time Christian ministry? I think I'll lay out some parameters here. If we were to ask, are we all called to full-time Christian emulation or be emulators and mirror Jesus, I would say that's, that's an aspect of ministry. If we describe Christian ministry as living our lives to mirror Jesus and spreading the gospel, then each Christian is called to full-time Christian ministry. If spreading the gospel itself is a facet of ministry, then, then I think each one of us is called to fulfill that. Let's examine the first two verses we read. I can read them aloud. You don't have to look them back up. 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And in Mark 16.15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Those are two commands for every Christian, I believe. And uh, I think, sadly, too often we are quick to combine the two together. Instead of those two separate verses of going to spread the gospel and being ready to share the gospel and point people to Jesus, we mix it up and it sounds something more like this. Wait in all the world 
to preach the gospel to every creature. I think we can become too, too relaxed coming to our pew, coming in on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and sitting there, taking in God's word. And then we're, we're so, so fine just to go, go to our work the next day and be ready if someone asks me about it. But I sure am not going to go talk to someone. I think we become too um, lackadaisical in our Christian walk. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. 1 Timothy 4, 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation, in charity and spirit and faith and purity. Psalm 96, 3, Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. I'm glad. And I'm no longer a heathen. That's right. First Peter 4.10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? That's a question I'd like to just put out on the floor. I think it's an easy question. But what does it mean to be part of the body of Christ? Y'all can answer if y'all like. Yep. Exactly right. Mm. Yep. 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 First thing is, of course, to be saved. And that, that gift is given to each one of us. We can see in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, that's me, that's you, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the gospel is laid out in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. But it's not enough to know the gospel or scripture, just to know it, a head knowledge. You have to apply the gospel to yourself. Sadly, there are many fakes in the world who can give a good message that is used to turn the hearts of people without their own heart turned to the Lord. <laughs> there's this one movie I like to watch. It's like an action movie. And there's the main character's name is Liam Neeson. And uh, anyways, long story short, his daughter gets taken, and he uses his, his marksmanship and his ex-military experience and goes up there and rescues her. But one aspect is he's such a beast with a gun. Like, he's amazing. In real life, however... Liam Neeson absolutely hates guns. He, he pushes for any type of gun control. And, uh, but looking at him or like watching him or anything, you wouldn't expect, you mean, like, man, that's a, that's a gun-carrying man. But, but even, even someone who looks like can, they can fit the niche uh, can, can not believe it at all. So it's not just enough to know it. I remember when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, you can almost, you can, you can recognize me when I was younger as like a, a Sunday school teacher's pet, pretty much. I knew all the Bible verses and all the stories. I could probably even tell you the gospel, what it was. Probably could. But that's not enough. I remembered when I was sitting right there at that pew, there was a guy, an evangelist came, and he taught on hell that night. And I learned about hell all my life, but I never 
applied it. I knew the gospel, I knew the Bible, but I never applied it to myself, you know? And uh, there are people that choose not to apply it to themselves as well. In fact, the Christian walk was never promised to be easy. It was actually promised to be harmful and abrasive. (laughs) Have you noticed that when Jesus talks about uh, accepting him and following him, it it sounds more like a warning than an an invitation, honestly. In Mark 8.34, y'all can turn with there real fast. Mark 8.34. I've got a lot to cover, so I'm going to have to fly. All right, Mark 8:34. And when he had called the people unto him with, the, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In John 15, 19 through 20, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. There's, in fact, nothing I can do that's above the call for Christ. I heard this question one time proposed, and it it really kind of stumped me when I first heard it, because I didn't think anyone could actually believe it. It's like this. Why is not the Lord blessed the Christians of the United States with more persecution. When you look at other countries such as China and Myanmar, the countries with the most persecution have the greatest growth in the church. But here in the United States, we're so comfortable being where we're at, laid back, it's stagnant. So maybe we should, and again, I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying uh, Lord, send down persecution on us. I'm not saying that, but maybe it's something we should we should pray more for God's will to be done, regardless of what situation we're in. More than blessings themselves. I remember um, this story. I was reading in the uh, the Book of Martyrs of uh, of this communist country in Asia, and it was in the 1960s. And this family was, of course, in a communist country. You can't. Uh, they have control of what you believe, essentially. And uh, so these, these Christian, this Christian family were together, and they were having a, a Bible study. And all of a sudden, the, the communists broke through their door and got a hold of all of them, threw the Bibles on the floor, and said, all right, you can go if you spit on your Bibles and walk out. And the first person gets up, and with tears flowing, he, he spits on his Bible and, and walks out. And the next person does the same. And then there was this one girl that got up and she went over to the Bibles and sat down next to him and took her dress and wiped off the spit. And she said, and this is what the, the witnesses said, she, um, she said, Lord, look what they've done to your word. And the communist came over with his gun and put the gun to the back of her head and shot her. Now, introspectively, would have you ever thought, like, what if? What if someone barged through that door right now and put a gun to our heads? Would you deny our Lord? I pray that I would never do that. 
I pray that I never do that. In fact, our view of God's plan oftentimes is the most sunshine and roses plan ever that we have. (laughs) But oftentimes God's plan is for his glory and grace. Paul, he was crucified for God's plan, his, his greatness, for his glory. Job, he was, he was put through a lot, put through a lot. John Bunyan, he was put in prison for preaching, preaching the gospel. Maybe we should consider what we would be willing to do for the Lord. That was a long tangent. All right, so we are called as Christians. Uh, first, the first step of being a part of the body of Christ is to be saved. And uh, I say we each are blessed with certain spiritual gifts to use for God's glory. The body is most effective for the cause of Christ when we all are striving to serve the Lord by using our gifts and situations for his glory. The body is made up of different parts, each with different and unique jobs and duties. And in an anatomical example of the body, of the human body, it can be, it's, it's pretty analogous. Um, when each of the cells are submitting to the control center of the brain uh, and working together, the body is most effective. An example of this is, and we can relate to this in the Bible with uh, leprosy. Um, studies have been shown that like what leprosy does, it affects the sensory nerve cells of the body, um, so, so you no longer have sensation. So if you were to be walking down the street and you stepped off the curb and you like twist your ankle and broke your ankle, let's say, would you feel anything? No. So because of that, you would just keep on walking. Even though your ankle's broken, you'd be walking on a crushed ankle. And you can imagine back in the day, um, Injuries happening all the time. You could put your hand in the fire. If you don't feel it, it gets severely burned. Or you can, be, you can just be sitting down, rubbing up against a rock that you don't know, and you can look down, and you're just like gushing blood. So it's an interesting aspect of, of leprosy. In fact, um, leprosy, um, if we imagine the sensory nerves in your eyes, your eyelids always are you know, wiping your eyes and re-lubricating them. Um, so if you no longer had that sensation of the nerve senses, your eyes would dry out because there'd be no need to blink. That's why we see in the Bible oftentimes blindness um, through leprosy is because of the non-responsiveness uh, of cells in the body that were not working. <clears throat> Another example in, in the dermatology world is a lipoma. And uh, lipomas... Uh, Simply, I guess, are uh, unsubmissive cells, essentially. And so your body has stores, storage cells that store fat and other energy sources that your body uses when you need it. So like if you miss lunch or something, you're really hungry, your body is going to take from first your glycolytic uh, glycogen in your blood, and then it's going to go later to your fat stores. But what a lipoma is, it's an unsubmissive cell. The cell takes, 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 takes nutrients and energy, but never gives it back. So over time, this thing will just keep growing, growing, growing. Sadly, in the same way, our stubbornness 
and disloyalty hinders the work of the body. If we are constantly coming in here <laughs> and learning, 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 but go out and do nothing, we ultimately are hindering uh, the work of the body of Christ. Let's turn real fast to Romans 12. Romans 12. This is a good passage. In verse, let's start, um, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So this is describing the, the gifts that each one of us is given. The, uh, we all have certain gifts. But what is it for? It's for the, the movement of the gospel and spreading of the gospel. One thing that I am afraid of for... Um, my friends and people I know, is that they do not see the passion that we should have um, in my own life. By the way, I want to pause and say, I'm speaking to myself tonight, and every pastor has to say that. <laughs> Everyone has to, every pastor has to say that. I've, I've seen a lot of uh, pastors come up with a point with that's, that's not politically incorrect or politically correct, and they have to spend the next five minutes apologizing to the audience, and uh, we're in the audience like, just just preach the message. Just preach from the words. What it says, our Bible is not politically correct, you know? That's right. That's right. But there's two, question, there's two things that I do not want my friends to think. Oftentimes they do. Is first, Hunter doesn't believe what he says he does. And secondly, he doesn't care if I go to hell. Because when I identify myself with Jesus, people know what, what entails oftentimes with Jesus is that if, if either you pay for your sin or, or Jesus pays for it, and you have that option. So I don't, don't want any of my friends and those that I know to think that. So where do we start as Christians? Where do we start? I think it's important to act with submission to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And I think almost more importantly, react with submission to the Lord. Oftentimes people that we come in contact with don't care how we act. Sometimes they're watching how we react instead. Um, it's important to do both, of course. But reacting with submission to the Lord. Be genuine. We as Christians should be known for asking questions and listening. We've heard the line, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So asking questions uh, to make those around us consider important questions is, is super key. And listening. I heard this uh, recently, this apologist I like to listen to, Sean McDowell. He's Josh McDowell's son. And uh, he was talking with, he had a, 
a whole discussion. It was actually kind of one-sided discussion with a atheist. And he allowed the atheist to come on and just, <clears throat> and just tell his story, honestly. And uh, I loved listening to it because my perception of this atheist first, when he first came on, honestly, was, man, he's just, he's just not, um, he's convinced by all the evil in the world. He's like, oh, man, he just, the problem of evil, it's a huge um, emotional um, aspect that, that triggers a lot of emotions against God. But as the conversation was going on, this, this guy, genetically modified skeptic, he, he was laying out his, his essentially his story. And he grew up in a, a Christian home, a, a Baptist Christian home. And I was just shocked just watching him. And now that's, question, that's the, I guess that outlines the, the power of questions, knowing, knowing where people are coming from. If I was to go, go right into you know, the gospel message, which is great, it's, it's kind of helpful for me to know where this person's at. So if we're able to ask questions and listen, it's, uh, it's rather helpful. Tonight, um, that's the end of my introduction. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, so tonight, um, one aspect I think we should all consider, it's analogy kind of, is being known for putting pebbles in people's shoes. How many times have you been walking down the road and in your sandals or flip-flops and all of a sudden a little pebble drops into your shoe and you're like, you can't, you can't stop thinking about it. So I think we need to be known for putting pebbles in people's shoes, pebbles meaning questions, and things for them to think about that they just have to, they can't get around without thinking about it. Like, oh man, that's true. Put that pebble in there, pop. So, um, so I think this will help us um, to, to ask questions effectively and understand where people are coming from. Um, it's actually biblical, of course, being able to listen before speaking. In James 1.19, uh, I'll just read it for sake of time. Wherefore, my brethren, beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Proverbs 19.20, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Proverbs 18.13, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. So it is important for us to be willing to listen. Be willing to listen. So um, we are supposed to act with submission, react with submission, be genuine, be courageous, and be consistent. Um, I think consistency is super key because people, once, again, once we identify ourselves with Jesus, People are like, all right, let's put him to the test, all right? He, we're going to watch him closely. So be consistent. And again, we're not perfect, that's for sure. And I think we need to make sure, make, make known almost to them, to people, man, I'm not perfect, but thankfully that I got, I got Jesus, you know? And uh, so how do we break the ice and get the conversation going? At this time, I'd love to open up the floor and uh, ask, how do y'all... How do y'all break the ice and get it going? Get the conversation going. And you can just spout it out. Boom. Yep. That's a great one. I'm going to write that down. 
any others? Any others? That's a great one. I love that. I use that one all the time. Well, maybe that's a pebble that's in her shoe, though. <laughs> All right, for sake of time, I'm going to cut it off right there. <clears throat> Here's a few, um, few that I use. Um, I definitely use if you go to a church in the area. I think. No, I think this is, yep, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, the change is, is helpful for sure. I love the track too, because of course, that's what, what is the profit of man if he changed the whole world and lose his own soul? Any others? I want, I want to, this can be an iron sharpens iron moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, addressing that idea more with the, the 
I'm sorry, what's your name? Miss Christina. Christina. Yeah, I love that too. Because I think Miss Christina, you put a pebble in her shoe when you when you said, Let me pray for you anyways. Because it shows that, man, she actually Miss Christina actually believes this, you know? And uh she's willing to pray for me. That's kind of awkward for her, but she's willing to do it anyways. That's pretty good. So I love that. Anything else? Anything else? All right. Well, uh, I definitely use the, do you go to church in the area? This is when I'm usually when, like, talking to someone I just met. <clears throat> uh, kind of, uh, it's kind of fresh. And even if you want to take it in even slower, you can ask about other things. Do you go to school in the area? Did you grow up in the area? And then you can eventually, at the end of it, then you can ask, do you go to church in the area? Once you've, you know, grown that relationship a little bit. After that, I'll usually go to, um, I'll usually tell my testimony. If they say, no, I don't. I'll be like, yeah, well, dude, yeah, I, I grew up in church all my life, and I'll just go right into my testimony. And, and if they say yes, I'll like, oh, really, that's awesome, and then maybe ask a few other questions. And then I'll go right into my testimony. And after that, I might say, have you experienced something like that after I tell my testimony? Um, another thing, another, another question you can ask is, what do you think af- happens after you die? Or do you know where you're going after you die? This is one I came up with that's kind of, you can tell me what you think of it, but I ask people sometimes, if it's like at a, at a gas station or something, as I'm about to head out, or, or a waiter, some waitress or something, I'll ask, uh, may I ask you a question? Do you think Christians are good at showing the love of Jesus to those around them? And if, if they say no, I'll usually go, well, I'm so sorry about that. God... Jesus told us to love our neighbor as ourselves and, and show the gospel to people. I mean, Jesus, he died on the cross. And I'll go right into the gospel right there. And uh, if they say, yeah, I think, I think they're good, I'm like, praise the Lord. That's awesome. I'm so glad. And I'll just go maybe even go right into the gospel again because <laughs> you never know. All right. And also, lastly on my list anyways is uh, what is your view on? This is, this is one you can, what is your view on fill in the blank? This is one you can use if for someone that you've uh, known for a while and you just want to continue the conversation. All right. What time? Okay. My goodness. All right. Time's flying. All right. Um, at this time, I'm going to read real fast out of this book called Tactics by Greg Kokel. And I'm going to give you all a couple scenarios um, that, can be, that can come out of nowhere and can be rather um, trippy. First scenario, you're at a dinner party with some of your close friends from church. The conversation ranges naturally over a number of interesting spiritual topics. Suddenly, to your surprise and embarrassment, the host's 15-year-old son announces with some belligerence that he doesn't believe in God anymore. It's simply not rational, he says. There's no proof. No one had any idea he'd been moving in this direction. There's a stunned silence. What will you say? The second scenario. It's the night of your weekly Bible study group. During the discussion of the Sunday sermon on the Great Commission, a newcomer remarks, Who are we to say Christianity is better than any other religion? I think the essence of Jesus' teaches, Jesus's teaching is love, the same as all other religions. It's not our job to tell other people how to live or believe. 
The rest of the group fidgets awkwardly, but says nothing. How do you respond? So these, these remarks come up. They do come up. And the Bible says in Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So we should also have maybe a, maybe a, game, a game plan on how to go around um, confronted questions. That can be pretty trippy. This is uh, one, one foundational key I'd like for us to uh, understand tonight is what is the burden of proof? The burden of proof essentially is, is uh, the burden when someone makes a claim. So they hold the burden of proof. Um, whoever makes the claim bears the burden of proof. However, the burden of proof requires arguments to hold it up. And remember, we cannot let someone make their claim without providing evidence. Think of it as a roof. The, the claim is the roof. The, claim requi- the, the roof requires walls, arguments to, to hold up the claim. So briefly, I'm going to explain the burden of proof. Miss um, Levita, would you, or, or Dad, or whoever, would you mind coming up real fast? And okay, and uh, essentially, when I'm, when someone makes a claim, this is going to be represent the burden of proof today. And when someone makes a claim, as we saw in these two scenarios with the with the kid who who just wasn't convinced and just had to state out something. It was a statement, not an argument. So essentially, we don't have to defend. Oftentimes, what that kid did is he just makes a claim. Here's the, here's the burden of proof. Now you got to defend it. That's, that's what he was doing. But who's the, where does the burden of proof uh, belong to? Who does it belong to? The person who made the claim. So he's here, and uh, he makes his claim. And when, I, when he goes to pass this off, what we should do is have a question to throw back at him and essentially just push the bag back at me. And it's back on him because this is where it belongs. So we need to keep it on him. This keeps him, the Christian, in the driver's seat and knowing where, uh, knowing where the conversation is going. Thank you so much. So that's what the burden of proof is. And here's three questions we can use um, to get us out of the, the hot seat, essentially, that, that the scenarios put us in. So uh, these, these tips or these, these questions are actually called the Columbo uh, questions. Have you all ever seen Columbo? Okay. I love the show. I'm in the final season, sadly. And uh, so Columbo, if you haven't seen, he's this, is back in the mid-90s, or no, back in the 60s, 50s, I don't, I don't know. But anyways, uh, he, he's a, a homicide detective, and he comes to the crime scene his, his, with his trench coat on. It's all wrinkled and everything. His, his hair is all unkempt, and he just walks in, and he's just mumbling to himself in a sense. He has his big, big cigar in his hand, and he just comes up, and he looks as harmless as a dove and dumb as a pile of rocks. And that's, and that's what he wants to, wants to, you know, he wants to try to do and put, put that perception of himself in people's minds. So he'll ask questions constantly, and uh, he'll get his notebook out, and he'll, be, he'll look for his pencil, can't find it, has to bum a pencil, and he'll ask questions to the person, 
And, they, and he's asking so many questions. He's like, oh, thank you so much. Oh, one more question. He comes right back at it. So this is how we should be. We should be constantly, constantly asking questions, almost to the point where they're, where, uh, they're the only ones talking, essentially. Um, this, this, first off, keeps you in the driver's seat. You gain background information, prevents you from creating a straw man of the other person's view. A straw man is a, is a lifeless um, representation of someone's view. So if I was, um, for example, if I was in a conversation with a, a pro-choicer on the issue of abortion, and they said to me, or said to the people around him, if, if I say, I think that life starts at conception, I think science points to that, the Bible points to that, and I think we need to respect the life of, of an unborn child. And, and the, the pro-choicer says, see y'all, Hunter doesn't care at all about women, at all. So that's a straw man creating a, something I don't believe, which he can easily tear down. So it prevents from creating a straw man of the other person's view by asking a question. This first question we ask is, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? So in this first scenario with the, with the kid who's at the Bible study, and all of a sudden, there's no evidence for God. I mean, there's nothing. Instead of going, oh, oh, there's so many evidence. There's so much evidence. Here's, here's this, 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 this. We can say, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, um, what God are you talking about? There's, there's a whole, whole bunch of false gods out there. What, which one are you talking about? And oftentimes, you'll get dead air back because people don't know oftentimes what they believe. Um, they'll, they'll, people are really quick to um, spout slogans, you know, real quick to spout slogans but have no idea how to defend it. So give it time. You might say that to someone, what do you mean by that? And they look back at you and have no idea. Um, but give it time. Let them talk and try to um, get through. Sometimes they will know a little bit more of what they think, and that's totally fine. Um, but this first question, what do you mean by that, allows the other person to understand what they believe. And that sounds crazy, but it allows them to reconsider, man, what, what do I actually believe? And it also, it, it uh, gives you time to think, which is helpful if you're uh, uh, hit with a, a hard question. The second question that you can propose to them, if they truly know a little bit more, like uh, if I said, if, if some, some uh, non-believer said, God is just so hateful. I mean, he, do, he doesn't care anything about us. And the Christian says, well, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, um, I mean, I mean look, at, look at evil. I mean, look at all the evil in the world. Uh, you got to, you know, just evil, evil. And, and this, the second question, how did you come to that conclusion? That's the second question we can pose to them if they know a little more information. By the way, if, if anybody wants to look at my notes, you're welcome to come up afterwards and, and take a picture of my notes or anything. So second question, how did you come to that conclusion? is very helpful because it gives you more further background information. Remember, listening. Uh, oftentimes, it's better to understand than to be understood. Um, if, we, if we remember that, that's, that's very helpful. It also further lets them understand their own view again. <clears throat> And lastly, the last uh, Columbo question we can do is, have you considered? 
Now, this is where we are supposed to know a little bit of information. We can't be the only ones, we can't be saying questions all day, like uh, as we walk out the door, say one last question and head out, you know. We got to be able to know what we believe. And uh, I think 2 Timothy 2.15 um, tells us that we do need to know. <clears throat> In fact, the first, um, Jesus was asking, uh, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We always forget mind oftentimes because um, we can be passionate. We can be passionate, but we've got to also study a little bit. And uh, so it's important to know. It's a thing. Um, so last question is, have you considered? This is the point where we um, non-confrontationally point out the inconsistency in their position phrased in a question for them to reconsider their view or other alternatives. Very quickly, I'm going to, I'm going to read something. Examples of uh, have you considered questions. Here's the first one. Have you ever considered that if the Bible was merely written by men, it would be hard to account for fulfilled prophecy? How would you explain that? Have you ever considered the difficulty involved with adding something like the teaching on Jesus' divinity to every existing handwritten copy of the New Testament circulating around the Roman world by the 4th century? That would be like changing a paragraph from the New York Times from two days ago. It's, it's impossible. Have you ever considered that the existence of evil actually is evidence for the existence of God, not against it? See, for each of these questions, the pressure is not on the person asking the question. It's still on the person who first made the claim. Remember, become an expert for putting a stone in people's theological or intellectual shoe. Again, we need to know what we believe and how, and know to some degree, a way of supporting that view. We can't build our own roof on the ground. And those are the three questions that keep us in the driver's seat and move the conversation effectively. Very helpful questions to, to adopt into your conversation. Here's a very helpful tip in my closing uh, that's, that can be very helpful. If you ever uh, come in contact with a, a very hard, hard question, um, one that maybe isn't politically correct either, is uh, when met with an objector who asks, what are your views on a certain weighty topic in today's culture, first ask them this question, protect yourself. <clears throat> it can go something like this, the objector. What do you think about homosexuality? You can respond in this way. Thank you for the question. I would be glad to answer it, but I want to make sure that it's first safe for me to share my views. Tell me, do you consider yourself a tolerant or an intolerant person? Now, with this question, it lev levers the, the weight on them. And you are you're in the driver's seat still, and you want to make sure uh, you're safe. Because no one ever considers themselves an intolerant person. Yeah, I'm an intolerant person. Because essentially, if they say that, which I don't know why they would, um, you don't have to share your views. But if they say, yeah, I'm a tolerant person, it, pre it prevents them from uh, attacking you and uh, without them seeing, seeming inconsistent and hypocritical. So that's one something that's very helpful um, 
when met with a hard crushing. All right. In conclusion, we have gone over three topics. What is our duty as Christians? What are some pitfalls we, fall, we can fall into that limit the effectiveness of the body of Christ? And lastly, certain tips for sharing our Christian convictions. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And once we get in the word, study up, it's, uh, we don't got to be perfect, that's for sure. We just got to get up to the, to the, you know, the, the home plate, get up to plate to, to bat. We don't got to hit a home run. And when in the realm of salvation, we can't. We can't save anybody. It's only our job to plant the seed. And in fact, when you're uh, when examining an apple tree or something like that, do you have to yank on that apple when it's ready? No, it just falls right off. It falls right off. And we don't have to. Um, it's, it's our job to nurture, be constantly uh, witnessing to those around us, constantly putting pebbles in people's shoes, and uh, that'll make us a more effective uh, witness for Christ. All right, let's pray real fast. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your grace and mercy and love and care for me and those around me. I pray that I can uh, be a warrior for you, a studier, a learner, learn from my mistakes, learn from those around me. I pray that we, as the body of Christ, will stop hindering you and your work um, because we are just so stubborn. We're so stubborn. I pray that you'll help us pray that if there's anything tonight that's hindering us from a closer relationship with you, I pray that we'll confess that and look to you, God. In your great name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.